Good morning, church family. It's good to see you. Glad that we can uh, be back together today and uh, glad that we can worship with you. There we go. All right. Good morning again. Uh, glad that we're here. If you're visiting with us, thanks so much for being here. We appreciate you taking the time out of the beginning of your week uh, to join us for worship this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, we'll be there in just a few minutes. want to remind everybody about a couple of things that we've got coming up uh, that we really need some help with, uh, and we need some help with pretty urgently this week. Uh, this coming Saturday, uh, we'll meet here at 10 o'clock, and we're going to pack some food uh, in about 20 different baskets and take some food, some uh, a Thanksgiving meal, uh, to some families in need in our community. We've told two different schools uh, that we will help them, and we've signed up to help 20 families uh, in our community that may not be able to have uh, a Thanksgiving meal like probably a lot of us will look forward to uh, next week enjoying. So uh, we've got a lot of that signed up for out here on the project board out this door, but we don't have everything signed up for. So I need you to do a couple things. Uh, If you can today, before you leave this morning, go out there and sign up and make sure that uh, we know who's going to be bringing the food. And then maybe even more importantly, uh, by Wednesday, make sure that the food is here so that on Saturday we can pack it up and deliver that food. So this is a service project, a congregational service project. It's not uh, the youth ministry or the ladies or the men. It's, It's everybody. We are doing this one together, and we usually call it Project Thanks. Uh, We're thankful for all the things that God has given to us, and in a very small way, uh, we're returning that favor to those people in need in our community. So we've got, uh, again, the sign-up list is right out here. Uh, Lots of it's already signed up for, but usually we've only done about 10 families. This year we're doing twice as many. We're doing 20. Uh, So we need your help. So if you'll sign up and help us with that, if you don't have time to go grocery shopping, hey, we'll take your money. Uh, That'll work too. Okay, I'll go grocery shopping for you if you'll help us uh, provide the funds uh, that we need to, to do this. And also, if you can be here next Saturday, this coming Saturday uh, at 10 o'clock to help us to deliver this, uh, that would be a great thing. We're going to put some information about the church in there, certainly invite the people to come and worship with us and all of these things. We want to meet their physical needs, uh, but we want to offer to meet their spiritual needs through Jesus as well. So if you will join us in that, uh, we would certainly appreciate that. Uh, Another thing that's important, we've got our second Sunday singing and Finger Food Fellowship tonight. We'll meet over in the small auditorium uh, and we uh, encourage everybody to come back for that. So far, Benjamin's the only song leader uh, signed up. So uh, if you want to, uh, men, if you want to lead some singing, certainly sign up for that. If you've got some song requests, uh, please make sure that you sign up for that. If you don't know, Benjamin's my six-year-old son, so he's going to need some help. Uh, so make sure that you, you sign up for that and, and help us out with that. Bring some finger foods that we'll enjoy uh, this evening as well, and please make sure that you are a part of that. Uh, three things that have to do with people that I really want you to, to remind you about and let you know about and people to keep in prayers. Uh, yesterday, the Porters, Rob Porter's dad, uh, they had his funeral yesterday in Maine. So let's make sure we don't forget about him. Uh, today, uh, over in Livingston, David Webb's mother's funeral is today. So if you can be there for that, I'm sure they would appreciate that. It's three o'clock, I believe, uh, over in Livingston. Information should be, I think, in the bulletin. If not, you can come find me and I'll, I'll make sure that you get all the details. Uh, so that's, you know, we want to uh, mourn with those who mourn. We want to make sure that our family uh, knows that we love them and care about them as we go through difficult times. All of us today have something we're dealing with, and we want to be there for each other. But then a great thing that I want to make sure that you know about, David Buster, who's right over here. I'm going to ask David to stand up. Uh, David Buster was baptized into Christ for the mission of his sin, put on Christ in baptism recently. We're so thankful for him. He's been visiting with us. So if you don't know David, there he is. And I know it's a big auditorium and lots of people, so make sure that you try and visit David and get to know him and encourage him as he begins this walk, continues this walk uh, with Jesus. We're thankful for him. Uh, this morning, we're continuing our, our uh, series on the name of God. And this morning, we're talking about Yahweh Sabaoth. 
the Lord of hosts. Uh, maybe you've noticed that it was that many of the songs that we, we sang this morning were about praising God, but, but each of them or most of them have also this idea of praising the Lord and, and all his hosts together praise him. We read Psalm uh, 148 and then the next song that we sang was basically Psalm 148. Did you notice that connection? Uh, that there's this, uh, this, this Lord of hosts, that he is, he is God, but it's described here as the Lord of hosts. And we want to talk about that briefly this morning and try to understand that a little bit better. What is this name, uh, Sabaoth? What, is, what does that mean? It's used over 270 times in Scripture, most primarily in the, the Old Testament, whether it's uh, specifically that kind of co- combination name, Yahweh Sabaoth, or it's talking about just God being in charge of, of, of the hosts, uh, whether that's host of heaven or whatever it may be. As a matter of fact, that, that name Sabaoth, that, that word host, it can, it can mean and relate to a number of different things. Sometimes it's just the, the Lord or the leader of a, 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 an assembled army. Uh, so it's a, it's a large group in an army. Sometimes it can specifically, this, this host, that, that he's the Lord of hosts. It can talk about angels. It can talk about all of the hosts of heaven, not just those angels, but any other being that there, there may be. It can relate to the sun, the moon, the stars. It can even be so all-encompassing as saying that God is the Lord of all things. He's the Lord of hosts. He's the Lord of the sun and the moon and the stars, the angels. He's the son or the the Lord of us. He's the the Lord of all the earth, of all creation. It is sometimes all encompassing. In 1 Kings chapter 22 and verse 19, we'll just reference this, then we'll get to Ephesians chapter 6. 1 Kings 22, 19, there's this this scene in heaven where a a prophet is is relaying this to to the people there. And he says that I saw the Lord sitting in the midst of all of, it, all of his hosts. And he's basically, he's holding court with all of the, the, the heavenly beings, whatever that is and whatever all the details of that is. And we'll talk about that and, and try to understand that a little bit better perhaps today. But, but he's sitting there and he's, he's holding court. Now, when I think about this, no, that's interesting. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I haven't been in too many classes. I haven't been in too many lessons where we talk about more than just angels. And maybe we'll talk about demons a little bit in, in, the, in, the, in the New Testament. I know uh, that we had a lesson uh, last, last Sunday night. Brian Knowles did a lesson on, on some of this a little bit last Sunday night. Uh, so we're, we, we, but I haven't been in too many of those where we've talked about this. And really one of the most perhaps disconcerting scriptures in, in all the Bible, in my mind, when I read this is Ephesians chapter 6. Verses 10 through 12. Now, we get to a very familiar passage very quickly with the armor of God, but it starts out with something that is a little concerning. I think it should be concerning. It should perhaps make us a little bit nervous. Notice what it says. We won't take the time to read all of it, but notice just this part, and we'll use this as a a jump off. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. He says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of of the devil. All right, again, armor of God. We're pretty familiar with that. We've probably heard a lot of lessons on that, talked about that a lot, a lot. Maybe even we've talked about this idea of there being schemes of the devil. And, and certainly one thing for us to remember when we think about Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, is that he has an enemy and that that enemy is real, that Satan is alive and active today. And sometimes we focus so much on all the, all the good things, uh, then maybe we forget that there is an enemy to be fought, an enemy that's looking for you and me. But even if we go beyond that in verse number 12, he, he clarifies and he says, our struggle, and he's, again, he's talking to first century Christians who really have 
legitimate persecution, physical persecution, social persecution, financial persecution. They're, they're really going through it. And it would be so easy for them to look at the people that are hurting them and say, those people are my enemy. But he clarifies here in verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world, world forces of this darkness. And then especially right here, this is maybe the, the part that we don't talk about a lot and, and can be a little disconcerting against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, I read that, and, I, and I, again, I've read that verse, I don't know how many times. You've probably read that verse, I don't know how many times, but, but most of the time when I've read that verse or been in classes or been in lessons where it's talked about, we read that part, but we don't stop there, do we? We just kind of go on to the next part, armor of God, right? Okay, there are schemes of the devil, I got it. There are some bad, some bad powers, okay, I got that. I don't really know what that means. I don't really understand everything. I don't know what all that's talking about. Let's talk about the armor of God, because that's a little more relatable. We just skip past that stuff that's uncomfortable or we're unfamiliar with sometimes. At least that's my experience. Our struggle is against these spiritual, not these physical forces. They're, they're our enemies, and we can get, we can get so caught up in what other people are doing or thinking or deciding and the the decisions and how they affect us, whether that's locally or nationally or worldwide. And we can get so caught up in in these things that sometimes I think we forget, hey, there is an enemy out there. Peter says it this way. You're familiar with this too. First Peter chapter five and verse eight, he says, hey, be alert, be sober because your adversary, your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. What's he doing? He's seeking someone to devour. Well, who's he seeking to devour, Christian? You and me. There is an enemy, and he is alive, and he is active, and he wants to take our souls. That's what the battle is about in this spiritual realm. There's, there's other passages in Daniel, uh, the book of Daniel, chapter 10. We, we did a study on this on Sunday nights several months ago. In Daniel chapter 10 specifically, uh, there, there seem to be some angels that are related here. They're, they're called princes in Daniel chapter 10. But if you look in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1, it's very clear that they, they are these spiritual beings. They are these, these angels. And it seems that these angels, now again, think about what you generally think about, what I generally think about with angels these angels are at odds with one another. That's not generally what we think about. Angels at odds with one another. Not only are they at odds with one another, they're also at odds with uh, the purposes and the plans of, of Daniel, who's a follower of God. They, they're at odds with Daniel. Not only are they at odds with, with Daniel, they seem to be at odds with God. We don't think about angels, spiritual beings, being at odds with God. We think about them simply as servants of God and, and, and little, you know, little babies that are, have wings on them and, and are shooting the, the bow and arrow, right, on, on Valentine's Day. That's generally what we think about, but, but a very different idea is, is presented here. So that's, that's in Daniel. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14, it describes angels as ministering spirits, seeking good for those who are following the Lord. So we, we see different ideas throughout Scripture. When we think about Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. He's the Lord of the, the hosts of heaven. And maybe we need to understand and wrap our minds around, well, what, what does this mean? What are these hosts of heaven? And here, here's the fact. I don't probably have the understanding, clearly, 
And certainly don't have the time for us to talk about that in this lesson. But hey, if, if that kind of stuff, you know, that, that there, there, there is an enemy and the, these angels are here and some of them are at odds with God and at, at odds with God's people, but some of them serve God and serve God's people. If that's confusing to you, if that's disconcerting to you, hey, we've got two Bible classes going on on Sunday mornings about angels and demons and the hosts of heaven. I would really encourage you, if you want answers to that, I'm not gonna be able to give them to you right now. But if you want answers to that, I encourage you to come to one of those classes. Uh, we started both of those this morning. So if you're, you're, you're not too late, you can jump in and, and still uh, find out some good things and, and learn right along with us. But it is, to me, especially that, that our battle is against the, these, these spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. That's disconcerting to me. Maybe it is to you too. Let me provide you with a little bit of comfort here. Um, there are other names for God other than just Yahweh. We'll talk about some of those as this, as this series continues, but let me share two of you that will relate, two of them with you that will relate to this. El Elyon is the most high God. In Genesis chapter 14 and verse 22, Genesis 14, 22, uh, Abraham is, is having a conversation with Melchizedek. And there's another whole conversation to have there that we're not going to have today. But he's having a, a conversation with Melchizedek, this, this priest of the most high God. And he calls him, Abraham calls God, Yahweh. He calls him El Elyon, the most high God. And, and what that means is, in relation to what we're talking about, Yahweh Sabaoth, the, the Lord of hosts, is, listen, and again, this is something that in my experience as a Christian, and I've grown up going to church my entire life. I haven't had a whole lot of conversations about the host of heaven. But scripture makes it clear there are a host, a large number of heavenly beings that have existed in the past and that exist now. But God, our God, Yahweh, is the most high God. He is far above all of them. They may be powerful. They may be significant. They may have, they may be even more powerful than we understand or imagine, but God is the most high God. He is higher than any of them, higher than all of them. They, in comparison to him, stand no chance and have no power. Another name that uh, Abraham uses for God is El Shaddai. You may have heard that one before. It's, it's sung in some songs that perhaps you're familiar with. And it is how God references himself as God Almighty. Now we say God Almighty and, and maybe, maybe we think different things, but what I want you to the emphasis on, let me even put an emphasis on the, uh, the, the word there. He is God Almighty. He has all the power. He is far above all other things, not only far above us, but he is far above angels and, and any other and every other host of heaven. He is far above them, the most high God, and he is almighty. The might of God is all encompassing. We call him all powerful and he truly is all powerful. Even in the book of Revelation, you know, the book of Revelation, we look at this book and, and, and certainly many, perhaps even of our religious friends, perhaps many of us, when we look at the book of Revelation, where we think about there are these pictures and these images and, and these, these things that are going on. And maybe we really get uh, disconcerted about what's, what's going on there and what's being presented there. Can, can I tell you something that, that every time, and we'll look at two specific in, in Revelation chapter 19, if you want to turn there, we'll be there in just a second. The two times that, that it seems as if these, these powerful forces of wickedness, that these forces of evil, there's two times in the book of Revelation where they seem to, to gather for a battle. 
That, that, that all the, the host of evil, all the host of wickedness, they, they gather together and, and they surround God's people and, and they're, just, they're just arrayed for what they anticipate to be this great and awesome battle against God and his people and his host. And notice what happens in Revelation chapter 19. Let's read verses 19 through 21. Revelation 19, 19 through 21. Then I saw the beasts... And the kings of the earth and their armies assemble to make war with him who sits on the horse with his army. The one who sits on the horse with his army, referenced back in verse 11, will be referencing Jesus. So they're assembled to make war with Jesus. And notice what it says, verse 20. And the beast was seized and with him the false prophet who did signs in his presence by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. These two were thrown into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone and the rest were killed with the sword, which came from the mouth of him who sits on the horse and all the birds were filled with their flesh. What happened there? They're arrayed for this great battle. Is there a battle? There is no battle. When you array yourself against the Lord, you lose. And that's what happened there. Look at Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20, and let's read verses 9 and 10. Similarly here, uh, talking specifically about Satan in verse number 7, then, then Gog and Magog, again, these, these powerful spiritual forces of wickedness. In verse number 9 it says, And they, the, the evil ones, uh, came up and, and to a broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city. And what happened? And fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone with the beast and the false prophet are also. And they were tormented day and night forever and ever. So listen, we, we, God is the, the Lord of hosts. And there are things that are going on that, that we're unfamiliar with that maybe we can't even have the capacity mentally to understand fully what's going on. But let's remember a couple of things. There is an enemy. Satan is at work right now, trying to take your soul out of the hands of Almighty God. But God is almighty. He is the most high God, and you have a choice. What will you do? Who will you serve? We know the end. Revelation has told us what the end will be and what the end already has been because of the Son of God, that when enemies of God array themselves against the Lord, they lose. What side of that battle will you stand on? Will you stand with the Lord and his hosts or you'll stand with the hosts of the enemy, the hosts of wickedness, those powerful forces of wickedness in dark places? So again, I hope that brings you a little bit of comfort. Now, listen, Revelation, is there more to talk about in there? Absolutely, no doubt about it. But can I tell you the point of the book of Revelation? God wins. God wins. God wins. Whose side will you be on in the spiritual battle that we are fighting even today. Now, maybe that's a little overwhelming to you that there's this, all this, this great spiritual battle that that's happening right now, that we are in the midst of a spiritual warfare and, and that our, our enemy is not so much flesh and blood, but in, in fact, our enemy is distracting us with flesh and blood to get our eyes off of him who is our real enemy. Maybe that's a little overwhelming to you. I understand that. And and when we think about Yahweh Sabaoth, he is the Lord of hosts. And it relates to all of those things that we've just talked about. But let me provide you with another angle on this name. The very first name that we read about Yahweh Sabaoth, the the Lord of hosts, is in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Turn over there, if you will. 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. It's it's first mentioned in verse 3 specifically, uh, but talked about a little more detail in verse 11. We'll look at verse 11. 
Here again, uh, probably a, a passage we're somewhat familiar with, but probably haven't made this connection before. Here, uh, Hannah, uh, the, the, the woman who hasn't been able to have any children, is praying to the Lord. And she's praying out desperately to the Lord. And it says, let's start in verse 10, 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 10. And she, Hannah, bitter of soul, prayed to Yahweh, prayed to the Lord, and wept despondently. And she made a vow and said, O Yahweh, Sabaoth. O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a seed amongst men, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and a razor shall not come upon his head. Here's what I, one thing I want you to get out of this as we begin to wrap up. Our God is the Lord of hosts. He is the most high God. He is the almighty God. But that God who's dealing with Satan and all of his minions and all of the powers that exist, and he's the Lord of the sun and the moon and the stars and the earth and all that is in them. What did he do for Hannah? This powerful God in the midst of this cosmic spiritual battle heard her prayer and answered it. He's the Lord of hosts, but he's also the Lord of you. He's the God who created all things. And he's also the God who created you. He's the God of all things. And he wants to be the Lord of your life. This is the very first time that this name is used in Scripture. And is that happenstance? I doubt it. Did it happen by accident? Probably not. The Lord, with all of his power and all of his might, Loves you enough. The Almighty, Most High, Lord of hosts, hears and cares about the things that are going on in your life. We know this even more clearly through God's plan for salvation. In the book of Isaiah, if you look in your, uh, your bulletin there, if you look in your bulletin notes, it, it references a number of different passages in Isaiah where this name Yahweh Sabaoth is used. And if you want to take the time to, to read those later, I encourage you to do that. But there's this connection between the Lord of hosts in the book of Isaiah and the one who will redeem us. The Lord of hosts, the Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of everything and all things is also the one who redeems your soul from your sin, from your choice to at some point in some form or fashion do something other than what God would have you to do. You see, what we understand here through the book of Isaiah is each of those passages that make this connection between this name, Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, and make this connection with the Redeemer that also makes the connection and helps us to understand that not only is God the Father, Yahweh Sabaoth, but Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, He is the Lord of hosts. He's the Lord of all things. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, let's read verses 18 and 19. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Here Peter reminds Christians, reminds us today, knowing, you know, Christian, if you're a Christian this morning, that you were not redeemed from your sin with corruptible things like silver or gold from the futile conduct inherited from your fathers, but you were redeemed with a precious blood as of the lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Another verse that relates to this, talking about Christ, our Redeemer, is in Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, that tells us we have redemption in Christ. Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of all things, the Lord of you, loved you enough to make sure there was a way that you could be with him forever in eternity. He fixed the problems that you couldn't fix because not only is he the Lord of all things, he's also the Lord of you. Jesus, 
Jesus is this Yahweh Sabaoth. He is the Lord of hosts. He, he demonstrates this in his life. We see him uh, demonstrate power over demons, power over sickness, power over nature, and ultimately not only power over death of others, Lazarus and, and the little girl that he raised, but also power over death in his own life. When he died, he was able to be resurrected, demonstrating and winning us the victory over death. So Yahweh Sabaoth, in, in so many ways, it, it is our God. Our God is this all-powerful, almighty, cosmic being that has so much more to worry about than just you and just humankind. But so many other things that we may not even be able to understand if we understand everything the Bible says, and everything the Bible says is not easy to understand. He is that great and almighty God. But he's also the God that put on flesh and dwelt among man and lived that perfect life and died that horrible death and rose again from the grave so that you and I could be in the presence of that God one day. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 as we close. Verse number 6 through 9 through 10. Philippians 2. 6 through 10. Talking of Jesus there, it says, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. He didn't hold on to it. Instead, verse 7, he emptied himself by taking the form of a slave, being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. This is that almighty, powerful God humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth. All the hosts of heaven and earth and creation will bow before the name, before the person of Jesus. And that every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We serve an almighty heavenly Father And we're saved by a humble Savior. And he says there that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. The staunchest atheist one day will bow before Lord Jesus. The Satan himself, Satan himself, one day will confess Jesus as Lord. But you have a choice today. You have a choice today. Romans chapter 10 tells us that confession and belief lead us to salvation. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is that resurrected son of the most high God? And will you confess with your mouth and show with your actions that he is the Lord of your life? And what does that mean? That means every decision you make, you make in view of he's in charge. How will you respond to this God Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of all things. Will you allow him to be the Lord of your life? Christian, how you doing with that? Could you do better? Me too. Me too. If you're not a Christian this morning, God Almighty left heaven above, put on flesh, and did all the things that Jesus did so that you could be in his presence one day forever. If you're not a Christian this morning, That's the invitation to come and to be a part of that family with that God as the head.
If you're interested in that, let us know. Brothers and sisters, let's do better because we serve an almighty God who loved us enough to give up everything to come to this earth and live for us and die for us. Brothers and sisters, what a great God we serve. Let's don't forget it. If you have any needs, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.